Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dawn of X podcast, the podcast where we talk about the newest books in the Dawn of X, X-Men line. But today we're doing something a little different, and we're talking about a classic X-Men book. Before we get to that, I'm your host, Nick, accompanied by the now not as skinny. Like I said, I had five minutes up top before I was even going to get to talk. <laughs> my name is Josh, and now you're fat shaming me, my friend. I can't get yes, up. I absolutely. Can't, always. First. First, I need to eat a sandwich. Then I eat, let's say, 10. conservatively 12 sandwiches. <laughs> and now I'm, now I got an eating problem. Now I'm too fat. I can't, yeah. is it? Fingers what I say it is. Or, or not? What am, what am I doing? <laughs> anyway, if you guys wondered where that female voice came from, it's from it our- It was also me. Oh. <laughs> it's from our special guest. You heard her in one episode already. Say your name. My name is Jessica. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Nick. Hi, Josh. It's good I to don't see think you. you ever said Josh's name. I did. I just said. I it. said my own name. You said no. it. I was. I'm a. I'm a proud man, and I can say my own name. And and listeners you. get to find out again which one's high. Uh, so <laughs> today we are covering God loves, <laughs> man kills. A classic X-Men book by Chris Claremont. So before we even get into it, and we've Brett done this Anderson. episode before. Haven't we, Josh? We did. Um, so a little thing happened. Um, we recorded an episode about one of the classic X books ever published. One of the, the truest X-Men stories maybe ever put down into, into a publication. And then um, I lost it. Couldn't get it to work. Uh, it recorded itself in two parts. The second it part wouldn't do anything. I've heard. I, I heard that some other podcast some producers other have have some issues, have problems keeping their recordings up. But um, this was my first time having that issue, and it was embarrassing. And but I appreciate the listeners um, helping me through this. So <laughs> thank you. Um, but before we get into that, we have a little update going on. Our next episode will be covering the newest books again. We're going to talk about sword and new mutants and other stuff i haven't read yet so that's gonna be really exciting and then after that we'll be hopefully doing a major uh movie episode right yeah i honestly thought it was gonna be the other way around but yeah either way it's fine i don't want to get too far behind the book so yeah well we're gonna actually rank or do our personal rankings maybe maybe even have some more guests on the episode our personal rankings of all the x-men movies will be really really fun and I, I'm going to spring this on you right now. Did you know there was a X-Men anime? Yes. You did? I didn't until I opened my Netflix and there was an option saying you may like these two different X-Men animes. Mm-hmm. It was, I, it's awful. It's awful? Oh, have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, I don't know. Do you like anime at no, all? No, I don't. I don't really like anime. There are some anime I do enjoy, but as a whole, I'm not a big fan. Okay, um, so I, I think I want to do an episode on that because I do like anime in general. Okay. So maybe I'll like it or I'll go, yeah, it's terrible. Okay. Yeah, I'd be I'd be willing to watch it again. Awesome. Of it. Yeah. So hopefully that'll be an episode in the future. But until I then, guys. Too. I, I just came up with an announcement. Speaking, go for it. Speaking of um, who's high. Um, I'm going to get this episode up on Wednesday the 23rd. So listeners, I think for Christmas Eve on the 24th, 
we should do, or I will, if, if you don't want to do it, uh, a live tweet of the um, X-Men animated series Christmas episode. Have Ooh. yourself a Morlock little Christmas. Yeah. You want to do that? that? You want to do a live tweet with me? Yeah. With All right. All right. We'll, good. Uh, we'll pick a time and we'll tweet it out. Perfect. Right. Um, also, before we get into the book, I want to explain why we picked this book. Because this book, if you guys have never read it before, it's very, it, to me, it's like the first book to flat out say, hey, if you didn't get the metaphor for X-Men, mm-hmm. here it is. <laughs> yeah. This is my to, intention. This to me, I mean, I guess like a spoiler for the entire plot though, but this to me is like what the X-Men is. Like this yeah. is like the the manifesto for the X-Men. This is like all the things are there. The, the, the mutant metaphor, the chosen family, all of it. All of it is in this one story. And I think yeah. it's like one of the best and, and perfect X-Men stories. Now, this story, story. me and you have read... Um, classic X-Men stories before like Dark Phoenix and mm-hmm. different stuff from this era. Yeah. Jess, you didn't really read that many X-Men books back in the day, right? No. So what did you think of this book reading for the first time, kind of with fresh eyes? Um, it wasn't anything that I didn't expect mm. because I have read some of the newer X-Men um, and I have been told about X-Men from the past. Yeah. So... I know a little bit. I just haven't actually read the comics. Well, I think I don't want you to sell yourself short a little bit because you read a lot when I was reading like Avengers vs. X-Men era, like Utopia era X-Men. You read Mm -hmm. a lot of that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've read a lot of like current. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a different era. I think what Jess is saying. Yeah. yeah, What Jess is saying like this. This this classic era. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Have you ever read a Claremont book before? I think so. think so. I think you did make me read something. Major. <laughs> Forced. Forced. Forced I put, to read. I put you in the room, not a room, the, the room. room. And then I loved you. The reading room. The reading room. Oh. No, not the Brie Larson room. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> okay, because that's what I thought. I know. I could tell from your face. <laughs> I was like, dude. I was with the joke for a minute, but now it's too far. It's too far. <laughs> too much. <laughs> Where's the baby? <laughs> God. Uh, so on that note, um, the let's, baby uh, is Rachel Summers. Let's jump into it. <laughs> Chapter well, one. Okay. Well, before we do that, because yeah, this is the classic Claremont era. So for readers who haven't visit its era before like this is originally published in 1982 this was one of the first fully graphic novels they did like this was a time where marvel was just dipping their toes and publishing original graphic novels which is where we got the new mutants from the original book was a a graphic novel and this was sold at bookstores this was like an actual book it was bound in a way that it didn't have to comply by the comic code either which is what we're gonna see so it was that core 80s x-men that we all think of like the kitty prides the nightcrawlers the wolverine it's like that core is the x-men and this is their first like big publication like you were saying before so this is yeah i think this is a really good era of the x-men to start with yeah and also if for any listeners who've only read recent like you Mm. know 2000s and current stuff right now it's definitely very different because 
it's more about fighting the bad guys, fighting sentinels, you know, you have the analogies to current times and like discrimination and everything. But this one, especially in Claremont era, is like directly announcing like, hey, oh, yeah. this bad guy looks a lot like someone you know today. Like and if you, these are the reasons. If you are new to X-Men with Hickman and you really find yourself loving the way Hickman will drop a clue for something that then pays off in <laughs> X of Swords now, then let yeah. me tell you, you're going to love Claremont. Or hate. <laughs> or if you hate John Hickman here, then maybe don't, don't go read the Claremont era. Maybe uh, start Maybe start with Jim Lee. Maybe start. Yeah, um, I don't know. Did you ever watch that Claremont documentary on Amazon? Yeah, man. Yeah, I learned a lot of stuff like it's so them good. talking about doing a Claremont situation when Claremont mm-hmm. would just talk about something, drop mm-hmm. a hint, and not know if he's ever going to go back to it. No. But he can go back to it now. Yeah. Yeah, like he was always giving himself out, man. Like yeah. no one thought ahead or at least knew he was going to need to think ahead of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if I do this, something to come to me later. And I was Basically, and like how many years did he write X-Men? Like more than 10 years, right? Oh, yeah. Like 15-ish years, maybe? Like, so I think he started in like either 80 or 79 and he went to 90 91 91 at least yeah yeah with, with jim lee so yeah, yeah. like he was that, the first four issues of that x-men jim lee run and then they were like bye he's like all right the 90s are a little weird for me like, <laughs> i can't do it anyway you guys asked me like the fucking inferno was the end like when him having to change everything he planned with madeline Pryor and turning her into the goblin queen and all that nonsense like i think that was when him. I think that's when he was like, uh, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I did like reading his stuff like back in the day. I always imagine a giant like chalkboard. <laughs> just like oh connecting he's, things. He's that like Charlie from It's Always Sunny meme. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> fucking... <laughs> and Madame Pryor is actually a clone of Gene. Yeah. What's Yeah, yeah. It's all Sinister's <laughs> fault. Why? Because it's Sinister's fault. Because Claremont said so. Next. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So right. yeah, so this is published in a world where there was only one voice of the X-Men. And that was Yeah, Chris which Claremont. for better or worse, I think for better, he knew his world. Exactly. He knew his characters. When he'd make a spin-off book like X-Factor or New Mutants, he knew exactly where it was going. Like really, and might sound like a bit much, but Hickman is the first person since Claremont to really control everything. Yeah. So especially in the 90s, a lot more editors would just kind of micromanage a lot more writers. And each writer had their own story, their own thing. Like Hickman's like, no, 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 I'm basically the editor and I'm controlling the narrative of all this book. Yeah. Only and difference I'll... is, I feel like Claremont wrote all the books too. Oh yeah, he wrote, well, X-Factor, okay, so he he didn't start X-Factor. This no? Welcome to the Chris Claremont podcast. X-Factor was started <laughs> by another writer, but it was based on like his idea. Like he wrote out the the draft of the series basically and then so he did a lot of the miniseries he he did he did x-men he did x-men new mutants and excalibur yeah for he did the wolverine mini and then he did the wolverine mini Mini. he did the annuals he did the the magic miniseries he did everything that was and at some point in the mid 80s when x-men was at its peak popularity for marvel he was like twice a month they were publishing and it was him like or like it was a new mutants book then an x-men book then an excalibur book mm-hmm. all chris claremont you know what i mean like yeah that's crazy that's fucking nuts now just because you didn't read a lot of his stuff 
how do you like his writing style of like describing a lot? Oh my god. <laughs> the Claire I will I do yeah. not like that. Yeah, the Claremont style is turned up to 11 with this because I believe it's meant to be more of a novel and yeah. he has to give so much backstory about these characters to yeah. introduce them. Because you you have to kind of cram it all into one book. Mhm. Which makes sense. Yeah. But if you read like but, Dark, like the Dark Phoenix saga is considered one of the best, biggest classics in Marvel history. But when you read it, there are so many moments of like Cyclops going, I have to use my optic blast, the laser to come out of my eyes yeah. to hit him. <laughs> like, you know, we know, we know your power. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of. But I guess at the time, maybe more people didn't really know. Oh, sure. I mean, it just some of it doesn't age well yeah like it makes sense for a sign but it just doesn't mm -hmm. age well when you're reading characters describe their power before they do it instead of going well it's a comic book just mm -hmm. just do it i'll figure would, it out <laughs> i would argue and i would argue that like as much as i love the dark phoenix saga it's after that that claremont gets um, to be a much better writer and a lot of that oh i'll hit him with a side beam bullshit yeah. that he would pull like that really did start to like taper off as he took over more and more books. I think he just like didn't have as much time to fill with fancy <laughs> words maybe, but like he, it definitely got better. That shit got better past like the brood saga and on like he's so much more of like a storyteller at that point. Someone find me a printed version of the brood saga. Oh my I God. need to find it. I, I yeah, I, I can't, you don't think your boys out there looking every time you have a, a there's a gift giving season. I haven't found a print version yet. <laughs> All right, we're going to drop this eventually. So let's go into it. God loves man kills. <laughs> Part two of this episode. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's right. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a long one. Yeah, have fun editing. Since, hey, you just guarantee it's going to be ready by Wednesday. So right, have fun. So maybe you can put the first hour as like a special Patreon episode. <laughs> if we had a if Patreon, just, like, that would be great if you had a Patreon. To us talk. <laughs> Only fans, but for X-Men characters. Anyway, again, so. <laughs> again, Jess is on the podcast and the wheels fucking come off. Yes. I can't be trusted. Nope. nope. So let's get into it. Everyone, yes. shut up. Yes, shut sir. up. I shut up, Josh. Shut up, Jess. All right. Chapter one, children. So I have my bullet points from the last time we did this episode. Okay. And I'm just going to go into it and then we're all going to just throwing our opinions as I go through the story. So chapter one opens up in a very, I think, intentional way with uh, black kids getting murdered and then strung up in a playground. Just to really set the mood for everyone. Yeah, and they're being hunted by an organization calling themselves the Purifiers too, to just really kind of drive home the, uh, <laughs> the parallels to other groups of people that hunt people. Yeah, I can't think of a book that... Uh, perfectly gets you ready in the first two pages like mm -hmm. what you're in for for the rest yeah. of the story like really set the tone for everything and, else coming after and again i just want to say that this is a book that's finally being written of, of x-men books specifically that's finally being written without the comics code so they can really drive home some of this stuff now they can like here literally show a child being shot and like there's a little girl with red blood on her hands the fact that the blood's red is something you weren't really seeing in comics. Blood tended to be blue for some reason in a time like this, like a really dark blue. Like, is that water? You know, like, <laughs> is there water well, inside of me? <laughs> well, we have that, and the art is very different 
And it's really striking because this art I've only seen, honestly, in recent years in the Mr. You know, Mr. Miracle books. I don't know if you ever read those. Mm-hmm. Alan Moore. It's very similar to that. It might be the same artist. I don't know. It is. It is? Oh, okay. I think that it makes is sense. Brian Anderson. Yeah. Brian yeah. Anderson also did. Oh, fuck. It just went out. He did uh, Astro City. He worked on Astro City with. Um, I know of it, but I never Alex, read that one. Alex Ross. I, I'm, honestly, it might not be Astro City. It's one of the Alex Ross books, though. Yeah, that's him. Astro City is Alex Ross. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But yeah, but this art is really striking and different because it's so different. It makes you pay attention a little harder. Mm hmm. I like people's facial expressions and like the, the tone and the mood they're showing off in the art. I really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. And at but this yeah. time, X-Men is being drawn by um, like Dave Cockrum and like the, the dark Phoenix style, you know, like, yeah. so really like a little bit more cartoony than you would, than this is, this is a little bit more, you can see the, the wrinkles in, in Magneto's face and stuff, you know, like they're real, they're more human and not action heroes. Well, it's almost like when you watch a cartoon of a show or whatever, and then you watch like the cinematic version, like the scene, like the letterbox, and like gets a little more in depth and like high depth and like yeah, like hyper detail, yeah, type of stuff to <laughs> let you know this one's important. Like, yeah, this was the one you need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. So I think I forgot who's supposed to originally do the art. It's in the back of this book. I think it might it's, have been um, Neil Adams. I, I back think. Of it. I think it's Neil Adams. Yes, Neil Adams. Yes, which also his art would have definitely been similar. In yeah. Order. Mm-hmm. equally yeah because um, he and you know his work on green arrow and, and some batman books too had that real like real and like gritty look to it you know and honestly the same if you've ever read green arrow green lantern crossover like it had a lot of the same Jesus. topics too yeah mm-hmm. like immediately <laughs> yeah so we have these children getting killed black kids getting hunted down shot you know never happened today or anything and um Mido finding their body and being angry because the the buys have mutant beauty written on it and Magneto his children and he's pissed you know and immediately also putting a classic villain in a sympathetic role right off the bat yeah oh, yeah like you're seeing why he's angry right off the bat mm-hmm. and I will again just to kind of draw into what's happening at this time with X-Men so for like readers of X-Men Magneto is just a straight up villain there's yeah. there's one moment recently in, in like around 81 or so where he shows some compassion because he thinks he's accidentally killed kitty pride who's like a teenager in these days and so like you see that that connection to like the younger generation of mutants that they're playing with here too so like but otherwise magneto black and white bad guy he's not there's no magneto was right cult at this time you know what i mean <laughs> well there we didn't get magneto's holocaust origin to like late 90s early 2000s right no no it was part of it was part of the history of claremont i believe so i think so i I feel like it didn't start until we got that one particular book about his past i'm pretty i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure it comes up because that's what he's he references it several times in this book okay yeah so he it is it is part of his maybe, maybe it wasn't delved into until that one I, yeah i don't think they really like wrote a whole like i think that was the first like let's go into his backstory like actually see it but like yeah. they've like the when, like they talk about it a lot in the run where they introduce legion for the first time because it's a lot of the um time hopping and stuff no it's a lot of like the past when he's meeting charles and them having to yeah talk about that shit so I'm wrong, then fine. I can live with that. So then we meet Stryker, the main villain of this story. We see him doing his holy scriptures and his having his mega church, basically. 
And we'll get more into why he is this, but Stryker, especially today, more than I think more than when the character was made, is such a realistic bad guy. <laughs> I mean, we see him on we see him on TV now all the time. People like him all oh, the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Who's, yeah. who's that one televangelist? Uh James Joel. Oh, Joel Club. Osteen or Orstein or whatever his name is. The 700 Club guy. Yeah, I don't know his name. You know his name? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he is based on, I mean, this is the era of the televangelist. This is when our Billy, our Billy Grahams and our, our that's something. Like, I Billy Graham, yeah. And our, and our Tammy Faye, whatever the fuck her name was, you know, like all, all those like televangelists of the age, Jess will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like all the televangelists of the 80s, this was like, this was their heyday. So this is kind of what they're, he they're playing off of already. This is like Reagan era religious right bullshit. Like at its at its start. So we meet him and he's talking about what he's gonna do when he gets to talk to Xavier on TV. As we're seeing a montage of the X Men fighting, I believe in the Danger Room, and you get details of everyone's powers, a little breakdown of yeah and abilities. And they they shoehorn this in plot wise to basically say he has a mole inside. He has like secret government information on the X on the X Men. Like this is all like footage from their super secure computers and stuff that he has now. And then next we have a um, controversial scene with uh, <laughs> with Kitty uh, fighting some racist assholes at a bar because they're saying derogatory things towards her. Because okay, hold on. She's at. She's at the dance. She's at a dance studio. The dance studio? Yeah, yeah. I did not reread this book, people. It's I'm okay. just kind of going so off my memory. She, so what's happening here, she's at um, Stevie Hunter's dance studio. Stevie Hunter is like a, a, a human, a black human ally of, of the X-Men. She doesn't have any Wow, I feel a hard B. Well, it's important to the story you're about to tell. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but famously a real black character, you know what I mean? <laughs> there, you happy now? Um, no but so so stevie hunter is like just a human friend of the mutants. she knows they're mutants she knows and a female stevie wonder apparently and a female stevie wonder some would say but she's a she's a really cool character so she's she's like a mentor character to kitty pride at this point and um (laughs) i'll say this part so she will (laughs) because i'm not when she's telling Kitty to calm down and it's not that bad, she's like, well, them saying mean things to me is like them calling me a nigger. No, and okay. Like, lover. Yeah, lover. so she she's fighting this boy because he said mean stuff about a mutant. She do, He doesn't know that she's a mutant. Yeah. He was I'm doing just great. Talking, you're doing great, by the way. Um, he, <laughs> you're still doing better than I do summarizing, so let's keep doing it this way and I'll just correct the moments because yeah, I'm not fine. I'm not good at summarizing the stories. <laughs> so what's happening is he's um he he just he basically just said a derogatory word about mutants in general and she jumped to mutants defense and they started swinging at each other. And that's why she says, well, what if they call what if he called me a as you just elegantly said. Nigger? Yeah. Lover. 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 Yeah. yeah. If you guys don't know by now, black man. Wait, our picture's on there. I just remember our picture's on the actual they thing. Are so on there, the there thing. You go. Yeah. There you go. It's a whole thing. So I remember reading that going like, okay, kitty. <laughs> like, calm down. Yeah. Um this well, is a time Jewish, so yes. And? It doesn't mean she can and say that word. Those people have been oppressed. And 
does not mean they can say that word. Very strongly about it. I'm not in reference, not in reference to the word that she Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. In, in, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. very defensive yes. about it because historically, what does that mean? I'm one of you needs to either move the fucking mic closer to Jess or Jess get closer to the mic is what I'm saying. No, not that close. Not yeah, that. Eventually. Not that. Um, <laughs> so anyway... Yes, so, yeah, Kitty she, does. She has a well. She's offended because she's a mutant, not just because she's Jewish. No, but I mean, she but has she's, a lot to deal with. Sure, she's, she's both. Kitty is yeah. both, and she identifies as both. And Kitty, especially in this day and age, um, was a loud, outspoken, liberal sixteen-year-old kid. So yes, and she's very much acting that way here. So then, after that moment, that fun moment. Uh, we see that Kitty and everyone else are being watched by Strikers people, most likely. So we get to a moment that I really like because it's another moment that speaks to today more than ever, where we have Xavier debating with Stryker on TV. And the way the debate goes, and you see kind of behind the scenes of like the media manipulating how it's viewed in the first place. And like, Xavier makes a point, sounds a little extreme, and cuts a commercial kind of thing. Can we, before we get too far into this very relevant plot point and parallels to our current day, hmm. can we take a moment to just like think about the, the corporate and, and capitalist like um, foreshadowing that is this book? The so, book, yeah. <laughs> no, but, but this particular scene, yes. stick with me for a second here. They're watching ABC News. This is a Marvel book, all of which is owned by Disney now. Both yeah. Marvel and ABC are currently owned by Disney. Like this, this, like we live in a world where these, when this was published, two separate things. Yeah. Marvel was its own thing. ABC was its own thing. They didn't have anything to do with each other. Now they are both, neither one in control of themselves. They're both just owned by a, a large mouse. Like, a large mouse. <laughs> it's fucking insane. Sorry. It just, it just no, hit me. It's, Can't it's, imagine that, why. That's definitely crazy. But, like, the way this debate goes, where they're both making their points about mutants and the rights and everything, I loved it just because when you see the media going, okay, cuts this camera, zoom in on him, mm -hmm. you know, make it him look like the bad guy. You know, make his point not really as understand well because we want to manipulate that way. That happens today all the time. Yeah. And, and it, it kind of double talk and debates, with, let's just sit, call it what it is, conservatives, mm -hmm. you know, constantly double talking and making someone look bad because they know how to manipulate tv and now yeah. regular people might watch and go here's how i'm gonna make that guy seem more scary and extreme yep. i love and, that part. and a lot of and and more to your point a lot of what's happening in this scene is not the fault of the journalists they are literally just filming they aren't they aren't actually trying to get the ratings up that way yeah. it's just again, like you said, conservatives knowing how to manipulate journalists and knowing how to manipulate our media, knowing that we, we most, for the most part, live in this like center reality where like the media wants to say both sides have a point so they can just utilize that to pitch insane theories like, oh, these human beings have power so they're not really human beings. Okay, and what's well, your counter to that, sir? Like, <laughs> yeah. like that's that already is like a problem. Like you giving you giving them the platform puts it at like as though it is a relevant point to counter just because this man has scary eyebrows, which he does. Xavier has very <laughs> scary eyebrows, which cost him this debate. 
<laughs> that does not mean he needs a better PR person. That does not mean that they all need to be executed, which is what Reverend Stryker is calling for. Well, there's even a part where um in the behind the scenes, one of the guys like the recording says, Do you think Xavier has a convincing case? And he says, Yeah, but who's listening? Stryker knows television and he's playing to the audience. He comes across as so nice and personable. Mm-hmm. That happens all the time today. You yeah. know how many assholes go on the Joe Rogan show? They're blatant racist, but they seem so cool and casual and talking to Joe Rogan about smoking mm-hmm. weed. So they're yeah. cool, nice guys. Yeah, like Joe Rogan himself. Yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, and um, no, you're right. I'm not. I'm not gonna debate that. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a piece of shit. The whole that whole system is a piece of shit. That fucking yes. right wing light motherfucker. Like, yeah, I, I've seen episodes with like you know proud boy leader on there. I and mean, Rogan mm-hmm. will go like, oh yeah, he's a nice guy. Like he's just joking. He doesn't mean any of this stuff. Yeah, and it's just like. What the fuck is happening? But well, there's a lot of people who watch that and go, "Yeah, he's one of the bros." Yeah, well, I'm like, that's happening in this book right now. Yeah, like, uh, oh, Stryker's not a psychopath who wants to eliminate a whole race. He's a nice guy. He's a simple, calm-spoken yeah. guy. Like, uh, yeah. what was that one asshole who's on Rogan and a lot of stuff? Uh, Jeff Peterson, right? I guess I don't know. The don't one who's like him. always says male masculinity is being assassinated. Yeah, no, that's the guy. I just don't know if he was on Joe Rogan. I mean, I'm sure he's he been was. on there. Yeah, that's where I first saw him. I saw I saw a clip of him and I was like, mm-hmm. who the fuck's this guy? And I see like his beliefs, but mm-hmm. he's always very soft spoken, mm-hmm. calm, talks about his book. He'll mm-hmm. say terrible things in a nice, calm mm-hmm. manner. And like you do stop and listen because yeah. he's saying it so calmly. He's not some crazy redneck clan member. He's just a normal guy talking. He has a degree in something. It's always vague when he has a degree and he has a degree in something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that asshole has like best selling book. So I look at guys like him, and I see that in Stryker from a fucking book in the 80s, you know? Yeah. And like you said, this was the beginning of these kind of guys. This is very much the beginning of the world we live in now. So for anyone who is in their 20s or, or whatever, who look at Trump as though it's an anomaly or think that what we're seeing with the, the conservatives in America and, and frankly worldwide is some kind of like phenomenon out of nowhere, no. This book was published in 1982. And a lot of what you're seeing here is led to where we are now. It's been a long fucking ride and it's been an awful ride. And the way that this, and like what bums me out most about this book is the way, like you just said, that news producer, like, oh, no one's going to believe that. No, he's not saying anything dumb. The way, and we'll get more into it in a minute, the way the, the police are portrayed here, this like, this idea that there's like this neutral good in the world that still exists in this book just really bums me out because that's the thing we that's the dream that got killed the most in the yes. last like and we'll get into that more about my feelings before we recorded this yeah. and then now yeah but uh before we get to that most of the x-men are watching this broadcast they know it didn't go well they're a little pissed off so they want to go to the uh, danger room and train so colossus kitty wolverine and nightcrawler Go to the danger room with uh, magic, I guess, controlling it, like using the controls yeah. to challenge them. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of like letting off some steam. In the meantime, Xavier, Cyclops, and Storm are all assassinated. Car blows up and they're shot a little excessive. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you really hate a group of people, you want to make sure they're dead. You know, so first you shoot them and then you blow them the and fuck up. And then you burn the bodies. Yeah. No, but they blew up the car first and then shot them like... Because they came out, I guess. Yeah, and, like, Cyclops well, shot. Yeah, the, they weren't in the. Yeah, they they uh, blew up their. Ca- 
staged car crash. So what happened is they tried to get out of the car, and then when they were getting out of the car, they were shot. Yeah. Yeah. But they did blow up their car, though. Like, they shot them and then blew up their car. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they, they made it look like they exactly. died in a car accident. Yeah. As a woman goes, perfect. <laughs> perfect. So the X-Men hear about this. They're shocked, and that is the end of chapter one. Chapter two, I wrote down my notes, Kitty being sad slash investigating. Uh, <laughs> Kitty's so sad. Kitty is sad. Yeah, Kitty's a, a sad 16-year-old kid whose uh, family was just murdered. With magic, and they're both kind of consoling each other. Yeah, and this is um, very early Ileana. She's not even going by magic at this point. She's yeah. just back from Limbo, and nobody knows what happened to her. Nobody oh, is knows- this after Limbo? Yeah. Okay, so she does. Okay. Oh, so she doesn't know she has powers yet, right? She she does, but she's not letting on. I'm I'm a little confused. You sure this is after Limbo? I'm eighty percent sure this is after. Okay, because I thought she got aged up after Limbo. Yes, she got aged to like sixteen. She was six. Oh, okay. Okay. So she doesn't use her powers she, and such. She just seems like a little girl. Because she was six. Yeah, and but then, I mean, she and, doesn't act the same way that she acts now. No, because she has aged a little bit. Like in yeah. this, well, how in, long was she in limbo? Was it real time? She, in real time, she was in limbo for like a a couple days. But she, but but she was there. But mentally she was for like she was years. there for ten years. Yeah, in hell. Like, yeah, she like in her time it went ten years, in real time. She came back, like in she was only gone for a little bit, and then she came back as a sixteen-year-old. Oh, so like ten years passed for her physically and mentally in limbo, but on Earth, like three days passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just the way that she acts and reacts mm-hmm. in this book is like a regular, normal, like a girl, little yeah. girl. I know, like and a I teenage girl because I a lot. So like I. I and I think a lot of it's because the audience they're not anticipating that the audience even knows about her really. And why overcomplicate it? And why, yeah. And then like and then the other part of that is at that time when she does come back from limbo, she is pretending. So like the only time you really know that she isn't like a naive human is when you're seeing it through her eyes. You know, like mm-hmm. you're getting her thought balloons. But otherwise, like she's pretending to just be like i don't know i was just, i don't know where i went i was you know like she's not really telling anybody what happened so, no no talking about a demon version of storm and stuff like that no no it was yeah. a little traumatic for her <laughs> all right so kitty and magic find a but camera I, yeah huh? i i'm like again like i'm only 80 percent sure that's when when this is taking sure. place but that is i'll take a word for it yeah yeah they find she's not a camera six. watching. Yeah, she's not six. Yeah. Yeah. She's a very tall six year old then. Um, the rest of the X Men are investigating the crash. Uh, quickly, they realize something's up and also that they're being followed. So Wolverine immediately slashes a door in half. <laughs> like you do. Like you do. That's your immediate reaction. You know, Colossus rips the engine out of the car. Like you do. Like you do. Um, unrelated note, but uh, I never really loved Colossus's costume. Nor should you. 
I thing. mean, it's it's iconic. I don't like it. It is iconic. I never liked but, it. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't personally like it, but I understand it's iconic. You know, like I, I accept yeah. it. I don't personally like it though. I like it, but I wouldn't wear it. I would no, I couldn't pull it off. As you as Nick has pointed out, I'm too fat for it now. So couldn't do it. Um but yeah. Uh while Colossus is doing his thing, ripping everything apart, he is shot in the back by a guy like in a suit in a power like a suit. suit. Yeah. Totally has the, suit. the pure yeah, the purifiers have military grade technology, basically. They do. And then they're all lifted in the air and all their armor is ripped off them because Magneto is here. Yay. And Magneto is here as a friend. Yay. It's my favorite line if like ever. Magneto is here as a friend. And if you'll have me, an ally. But <laughs> so, also, I'm gonna talk about myself in the third person. I love I'm this. This is this is like classic Magneto is the fucking best villain ever. Dude. Like just the way like he just dresses in purple, always has a cape, just constantly calls himself Magneto, always talks about his supreme mutant powers. Like he's just like he's like Doctor Doom level villain at this point, and he's the best. <laughs> Um, also, we have the continuing investigation with Magic and Kitty trying to figure out what's going on, who's watching them. Um, it looks like Magic has been shot by, I forgot her name. She's one of the purifier ladies. I don't, is well, that because Anne? she's important later. Oh, is that um, Anne? Anne, is it Anne? It's, the yeah. character Anne? you're talking about is Anne, but I don't know if that's her. Maybe it is. I can't. I think, no, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then, yeah, she's the only it. woman on Striker's team. And it's oh. important later because she's Striker's right hand, basically. In yes. this story, at least. Yeah. Uh, we have Wolverine questioning the other purifiers about what the hell happened to their friend. And it looks like uh, Magneto might be, you know, torturing some people to get information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yep. you do. He, yeah, he tells, he tells Wolverine, you're taking too long. Let me and my excellent magnetism take handle this. And yeah, he My t- vague some- magnetism power. Yeah, so, so he somehow tortures them with magnets i don't really know exactly what he's I doing i mean i guess magnets can make you feel like shit yeah uh, yeah it's a real it's a real vague time for what magneto's powers are <laughs> you mean just magneto's time like magneto's powers have always been fucking vague just, whatever whatever you need it, 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 there's magnets in in rocks all right he can pick up rocks now like yeah he can uh shift the core of the earth if he's powerful enough because there's iron in the soil like (laughs) well i've always loved that like even as a kid when magneto would come in floating i'd be like well how is he floating you know metal in the area oh yeah i guess that oh no i always here's what i always thought when he was floating i always thought he dressed in metal so that he could lift himself up like I always too. thought, I always thought there was like some metal on his suit so that he could just levitate himself and move around. That's like, what I always. But like, wouldn't that be uncomfortable? Like you're. Yes, down... that's why I think it's hilarious. Cranking <laughs> yourself up. He's in the so air, dedicated like... to like that maneuver that he's like, I must wear metal at all times. But and, like, like, it's actually when just he puts like, uncomfortable little... and pulling your shoulders and your leg up in a yeah. weird way. Like he should be like looking like a, like, a, like a puppet like on a string. <laughs> but that, <laughs> like, but that always. But that, yeah. but that, but that, that posits a reality where like his entire suit must be metal, so it's like counterbalance all that weight. <laughs> this suit is not metal. This I know that's my point. Yeah. So like, they're the most wow. clocky suit ever. I know it's so flowy. 
He's the best. He's, he is the best, but it's also fucking ridiculous. He's the, he's the best. Well, it's like in the uh, the anime series opening when Xavier would touch his head and a wave out, and Nita would close his hand and a wave comes out. And you're like, yeah. what are those? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, no, he's going to get you with those yellow, yellow squiggly lines. <laughs> like, that means nothing to me. <laughs> so... That Much was, like whatever's happening in this picture. Yes, the picture but where like he's torturing. Lightning coming out of his fingers is how they've represented it. Yes. <laughs> A lot of times magnets are represented with electricity. Okay, so next up we have chapter three where some weird trippy shit is happening to Xavier. He's been crucified on top of the uh, the towers. So I'm trying to go past that. Um, Xavier is being tortured uh, by these demon-looking versions of the X-Men. And it's really weird and trippy, but I like the art style, though. I like, like the red cast yeah. background. Well, not tint. background. Tint, yeah. The red tint everywhere. It's like yeah, a weird nightmare. Me, it's nightmare. Yeah, like Kitty rips out his heart. Well, I think the fangs do a good job with that. Yeah, and, they all look like vampires. Yeah, and like Storm strikes him with lightning while he's being crucified and all this you're like what the fuck is going on and then a light comes from the sky and god is showing him the way but he's like in a weird tank after tank he's in a bafta tank, <laughs> tank by striker and striker's just smoking a cigarette like you always did in the 80s just smoke a cigarette and he, everywhere everywhere, everywhere. It like, was almost like you had to smoke a cigarette oh, everywhere yeah. you went. Before the 90s, cigarettes were just part of your body. Yeah. 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 Like <laughs> drinking a glass of water. Yeah. Like, of course I'm smoking. Absolutely. And I eat a whole stick of butter every day. Yeah. <laughs> like, I miss the... After I'm, dinner. I miss the, the cigarettes and sticks of butter days sometimes, you know? like I really miss the sticks of butter. They're really into margarine in this family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, Personal reasons. Like like, the way you said sticks of butter. Wait, yeah. I really miss that fucking stick of butter. Like, wait, I so I'm sorry. Can we stick of butter mean to you, honey? We're talking about actual sticks of butter. I want to know what the fuck are you talking about? Butter. I'm talking about butter. Yeah, so when you say other personal reasons, so the, the, the family thing wasn't a personal reason? There are other personal reasons. <laughs> other personal reasons. What are other personal reasons to want sticks of butter over over margarine? Well, margarine is made of oil. Okay. And it gives you higher cholesterol. Okay. Okay. So that's a that's a personal reason for you. you that's think a personal, that's personal? reason okay. to want to eat butter over margarine. Okay. Plus, it just tastes better. It this tastes is the clearest. Your it tastes the, butter. <laughs> this is the clearest. Your audio has been all fucking recording, and it's irrelevant. Let's talk about butter. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Jess's Buttercast. Jess's let's talk Jess's about Buttercast. What's important? <laughs> Is that on the Spice Network? What the fuck is but, happening? Anyway. Buttercast. It's like a butter podcast cast. about butter. Is it? Or so, a play on words. Come on. Like, that's perfect. Yeah. We're, we're moving on. We're moving on. So, um, Josh, do you want to talk about Stryker's fucked up origin? I would love nothing more. Go for it. That really you, did a good job last time. To so tell you it. about William Stryker's origin story. 
<clears throat> so Mike Pence, I mean, Williams, Will, William Stryker, not, not Mike Pence. I could <laughs> not see Mike how. Pence. Definitely not, not Mike Pence now. He, if this what, book was written now today, everyone, the internet would go crazy. Like, oh, they're just making fun of Mike Pence. Yeah. Yeah. This is Mike Pence. He looks like Mike Pence, too. It's that, the, that classic meme you guys see online all the time yeah. about Mike Pence and Stryker. It's in this book. <clears throat> yeah. the When he's pointing at Nightcrawler. Yeah. So Stryker's origin story was that he was a soldier in a vague army or I mean a vague war yeah. and it wasn't a vague army. It was the United States army. Um, it was also vague sometimes. He was in the war. He came back, started a fam, was about to start a family. His wife was pregnant. They were on their way to Phoenix, Arizona for some awful reason. Sorry, Phoenix listeners to uh, visit his wife's parents when they got in a horrible car accident. During the car accident, his wife goes into labor uh, he has to deliver his own child who he discovers a horrible, wretched demon creature. So he does the normal thing you would do when your wife has given birth to a, a demon, which is he takes out his his knife that all ex-military apparently have with them, just like yeah, a, a, a fucking Bowie knife. Yeah, and great. he murders his child because it's a demon. So he just fucking kills this kid. And then in his grief, in his tragedy, in this, in this fucking moment of... of just must be insanity and, and just horribleness for him he uh decides he's gonna kill his wife too because she's the one who gave birth to this demon so he breaks her neck um yeah. and and then well uh, out of um right. out of grief and respect because he didn't want her to know that she gave birth to a demon so there he's doing it for Only her he... later does he consider was it me or no, it must have been her yeah. and her sinful ways. Yeah. Exactly. So so there's a moment. Men. Here. Yeah, right. So there, there's a moment here where Stryker does all these totally justifiable things. And doesn't uh, he like blow up then, a car? Yeah. So his his thinking is, well, I can't live now. I don't want to live. So he notices that the car is leaking gas. He brings himself into the car. He lights it on fire, but he survives. He just gets blown away from the thing. He's found, he's found, he goes, he, as he claims, he goes into a depression and drinks. He's eventually kicked out of the army. And it's here in his lowest of lows that he reads an article by a young Charles Xavier about mutants. And he realizes that's what his son was, a mutant. And thus he goes on this religious path that it's the Lord telling him, again, the wife must have been the one who gave birth to the mutant. Not yeah. him. Yeah. The the Lord is saying to him that it is his mission to purify the world of these mutants and, and do the Lord's work. So he starts a mega fucking church. Mm-hmm. Like you do. Like you do. And and yeah, so he I think at the time this was meant to be seen as kind of like a, a tragic backstory for why he's a zealot, but honestly, it just strikes as like you just said, men. Like, yeah. He's a yeah. fucking he's a fucking typical man who can't he's never wrong, can't be wrong, can't anything be his fault. No, no. so he, he's uh, he's the worst. He's just the worst fucking villain. And the and, solution to everything is God. And yes, so that's his origin story. Did you want me to keep going? Or I mean, no, you don't have to. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely again, it's a realistic thing. I feel. Everything about this hypocritical piece of shit guy is something I could see a real person today, especially doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, that's what a, happened. He's a very realistic character. 
sadly sadly yeah <laughs> yeah um so yeah but he's an awful fucking human being so in the meantime um storm and cyclops are being tortured and kitty is now running away from the other so i brought up to Je- to jess earlier today as progressive as this can be oh yeah <laughs> as uh as well-meaning as this book can be yeah we have moments that are still very racist <laughs> yep. and it's almost like it's something i've noticed my whole life like it's ingrained in the culture yeah and it's hard to escape yes and it's actually funny i had a conversation about this similar topic today i'll get into it in a second but basically kitty's running from the purifiers she bumps to a gang and this gang is like ripped straight out of you've ever seen the warriors but yeah. take out all the white members of the Warriors. Yeah. Because in the war, I remember in the Warriors, I was like, oh yeah, it's actually a mixed race. Like it's white, black, Spanish. Yeah. Everyone can be a, a low-life gangster. These are all black and Spanish. And like and vaguely Indian, maybe? Like I'd say black and Spanish. Yeah, like somebody somebody's like got a headpiece though. A turban, yeah. And then somebody I don't know if that's supposed to be a hat or what. Well, the turban one makes me think of when people didn't understand black Muslims. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's what they're... Because, yeah. Because he also... Yeah, he also uses, like, Spanish lingo at some point. Yeah, Chica and stuff like that. And, like, Kitty looks more horrified by them than any purifier. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's because what they're... What also they're representing in this scene is they're, like, blatantly saying, like, let's rape you. Like... yeah. This is a very All much posing a scene. like a boy band. Yeah, this is very much a scene where she she calls out for help, and then they're like, "Oh, if you want our help, you got to help us a little bit too." And then they like chase her down. Like, it's like Jesus fucking Christ with this scene, man. Like, it's pretty it's pretty fucking awful. So I don't want to get in too big of a tangent, but when it comes to like racism being ingrained since back in the day, earlier today I was at work and we had some new Back to the Future toys, and. There's a scene in Back to the Future where I talked about why I think there's a racist scene with a coworker of mine. There's a scene in Back to the Future where you're there explaining there. the movie? Yes. Wow. Yeah. I'm, talk- I'm talking to my coworker that. about why I think that particular scene is racist, and they didn't understand what I was talking about. So basically, the scene where uh, Marty goes back into the present and sees his whole life is different, his house is different. I said there's a part where his house is now like bars on the door, the neighborhood's shitty, and everyone in the neighborhood's black. The people living in his new house are black. There's bars in the window. Like, there couldn't be a white family in that scene. Because mm-hmm. then it looks like it's a normal family. And everything's yeah. fine. To represent a bad family is bars on window, they're all black. And I will say, yeah, that's about, yeah. That, how could that be anything other than racist? Um, I have not seen Back to the Future in forever. It's a great movie. It still holds up. It's fantastic. Yeah. Like, I, I don't recall that scene at all. But yeah, like, that's It's the part up. where he actually goes back and realizes, or was it this, maybe, maybe it was number two. Yeah, it might have been number two. But um, that's one of those things when I was younger, I, I realized that's how regular racism is, like casual racism, yep. where people don't even see it as racist because why would it be? That's not a big deal because I'm used to seeing that in a certain way. And exactly, it still happens yeah. today all the time. When oh, you yeah. see a gang members, even how much we all love Logan, that scene where he kills all the gangsters, I, they're all just Mexican. generic Spanish you yeah. know, hoodlums. Like They yeah. had to be Spanish hoodlums. Yeah, And they're all like, murdered. <laughs> Yeah, I remember seeing that. I remember starting with that scene and being like in the theater, being like, what the fuck? Seriously? The and only then, reason I didn't get too angry at it is because there's also in the same like five minute span, asshole white people too. Yeah. And then like, yeah. And I, 
for some reason we what, no he was in las vegas i was like was he in mexico though but no I think he, was he was at the like, border at one point and right like like, that's what i'm saying like so like so like it maybe the maybe they were like okay well maybe they are gonna make him maybe he was in mexico so they were mexican <laughs> i don't know yeah. but like I, I wasn't it was very uncomfortable to start the yeah. movie that way. that's my side tangent about like casual racism that people don't realize and even someone as progressive as claremont tries to be mm-hmm. he just puts in a book because it fits in yeah. our society uh, a ghetto you know a gang rapist group they can't be white that wouldn't make yeah. sense for the art they have to be yeah. black and spanish you know and i i've never read the script so i don't know what claremont calls for them to be i don't know whose decision this was you know like if this was an artistic decision from brent anderson if this was claremont if this was literally just both it's like just kind of unspoken like you said just like the casual racism of the day or like stereotype gang oh i got you sure and they both saw it and were like yep that's exactly what i had in mind you know what i mean like it's pretty it's fucking awful so kitty's running away um what did you say her name was the right hand pan 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 is not a name (laughs) pan is not a name pan is definitely a name goku's granddaughter peter pan Yes, I'm naming yeah. fictional people. Fiction, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, so anyway, but her Pan, name no, 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 enough, enough. No, Pan <laughs> is definitely. Hey, listeners, go on Twitter. Go to Puka Cat. God. Something right? Puka Cat. Puka. Go to Puka Cat if you can learn learn how to spell that, and tell her no. Pan is definitely. If your name is Pan, please. Oh, I want to hear from you. Please, I, we please call in. Call, call oh, in, God. call in. <laughs> the number is flashing on your screen right now. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see it because this is a podcast. <laughs> Oh, thanks for explaining the joke, the joke Jessica. The joke. That's the joke, Jessica. Honey, honey, look at me. That's the joke. Hilarious. So that was a shot at me though. <laughs> kills all the gangsters. Kitty phases through the wall. Because honestly, Kitty, why are you afraid of these guys attacking you? You can phase through them. Anyway, so she she's also like she was knocked out with some gas in the, the trunk that she was just kidnapped in. So like she's yeah. not fully back in the day, Kitty when she wasn't concentrating, couldn't control her powers and would just kind of phase in and out without sense. control. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Kidnapping happened. Kidnapping um, happened. And then apparently also, one of us when she's running book. away... What happened? So apparently only one of us read this book. She, all right, I swear I read this book. Yesterday. I've read this book many, many times, though, over like many years. So, Oh, I've read it twice in the yeah. last, you know, year. So... <laughs> Um, so then Kitty runs away to call for help in the building. I, I did like this scene where she like freezes through wires. And yeah, she get she, yeah, she gets I, quarters for the payphone, Nick. There there used to be a thing where you had to put money into a phone to use it. So she phases in to get quarters from the machine to then put back into the machine. Oh my bad. I thought she was phasing to the wires to make the yeah. phone work. Yeah. yeah. No, she literally which would be funny. Yeah. I know I see it. Yeah. But no, it's she's literally Taking the quarters to put it into the phone. Hey, that works. You know, it's all good. And then a giant explosion happens. What? Um, <laughs> I think I love that she, as she's on fire vaguely, she has to yell, I phased. <laughs> she's not yelling it. She's thinking it, but yes, it's she's stupid. Yelling it. She's yelling it. I phased. Uh, and honestly, uh, this whole. This whole chase scene, I think, would look amazing, like an animated or live action feature of her running from a trunk into a gang, through a building, into a convenience store, explosion happens, into now a subway where a cop protecting her gets shot, 
and then Magneto lifts up the entire, you know, sub like train. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. really cool. All that subway car, cool. yeah. No, it's it's a very like yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. It's very cinematic. Yeah. Um side tangent of how I feel about a lot of new limited series comics. I feel like it's a lot of writers trying to get a movie pitch. And um, yeah, um, but uh, no, a lot of books, and I think this would actually work in that sense, but a lot of books today, a lot of like image comics or Dark Horse comics, limited series to me are making pitches for movies, which mm. sometimes work, you know? Yeah, and I see what you're saying. Like they have these cinematic scenes built in for the movies rather than being drawn this way for, yeah, for the, to for highlight the, the medium. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And that, that happens a lot. And this does it but in a natural way like mm-hmm. this all feels like this and like you know days of future past and classic stories like that they come off more natural and that's why i think they're yeah. used so often yeah and i think it's also the same reason people misunderstand the dark phoenix saga trying to squeeze all in one movie and just hope it works when they forget it was like a two-year story <laughs> i know the, the people truly like at, at conservatively a two-year story probably longer after Magneto saves Kitty, they all fly away in a magic carpet made by Magneto. And I do love the, the fucking the Claremontian narrator does describe it as a flying carpet too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it looks so fucking dumb. It, it, there are so many moments in fucking Claremont era X Men that are like both like moving story wise, but visually like, what the fuck am I actually? I feel emotion for this. Why the fuck is this? Uh, so at the same time, uh, Xavier is believing everything Stryker says and listening to Stryker like he's God and allegedly uses all of his energy to kill uh, Cyclops and Storm. Dun, dun, dun. I'm not skipping. I'm getting to the fucking point. Get to the point. So Stryker's plan, very similar to, I'm drawing a blank now, X-Men 2, right? is to make Xavier use his energy, psychic energy to kill a bunch of fucking mutants with his big machine and all that good stuff. Anything you want to add to that? No, he's gonna, he's infiltrated Cerebro. He's gonna make Charles Xavier do the opposite of what Cerebro is supposed to do. Cerebro is supposed to find mutants. This one's gonna find them, but then like basically give them an aneurysm and kill them. Yes. Um, while they're, the X-Men are now trying to attack Stryker's base, a lot of fun shit happens. Like Magneto pulling a whole uh, a whole elevator from the building. Yeah, things you imagine magnetism can actually do. There is no better fucking. There's no better human being that's ever lived than Magneto. Yes, his, he's a brilliant person. Just to think, just imagine. Like you're like, you know what I'll do? I'll just take this whole fucking elevator shaft out. Like fucking amazing. Just the ingenuity of that man. So when they do that, they find out that Cyclops and Storm are not dead, thankfully. Just like kind of pushed to the brink, right? So yeah, basically what they they hypothesize here, because Charles Xavier always has to be in control of everything, One is, step that, is that Xavier had enough of himself in there to not be able to bring himself to actually kill his pupils. So he saved them. He, he pulled back on his powers a little bit just to to knock them out enough that they would, the strikers people would think they're dead, but they're not really dead. Yes. Um, so now, <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Uh, so now they know strikers plan and they have to attack them. 
I think this is where the big difference between Magneto's way and the X-Men way. Magneto would have just killed Stryker. He was going straight after him. Yes. He would just murder him yes. right then and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, the rest of the X-Men understand you can't do that, especially on TV. Like, you're just going to well, prove yeah, what everyone's saying. He's on, like, live TV in front of, you know, thousands of people. Like, you can't attack him now. Yeah. So and that is what happens. So Stryker... A strength and force yeah on tv yeah so yeah what's happening is striker is having his big sermon finally it's a big televised one that the media is covering and it's being broadcast everywhere it's like in madison square garden or some bullshit you know it's like at the arena what's happening that we dis we disagreed with last time we talked about this yes or no not this part like we, you and i agreed that we don't think that this holds up nowadays which is yes the media both the media covering this and saying this is a little extreme the rhetoric he's saying like the media is covering this in a way that's painting him as being extreme and then yeah. there's also this part where like like you said the senator is like oh i don't some of the stuff he's see, saying i can't be seen here we got to get out of here like he's afraid of what being seen at basically a, a clan rally would do his to his him politically and that is not a fear that uh republicans currently which have. in fairness i think even less than 20 years ago would be the similar idea yeah like, oh, I, yeah, yeah. I, I get writing this you oh think, yeah like yeah, that's my yeah. one scene oh yeah 100 do i think um maybe not the media part, but the, the Senator thinking, I got to get out of here. I can't have people see being me being seen at something that's being portrayed in this way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah they, they used to pretend to care what people think and now, and now they don't. They yeah. Well, don't you know, be- before Trump, uh, even though it wasn't as hidden before Trump, you couldn't get away with half the shit he's done. No, and I don't think you, I don't think many people still can. I, I'm, I'm, I agree. Like, yeah. I, I think Trump can get away with it for some reason. I don't I don't know if there's other people who could do what Trump does and get away with it. But the goalpost for Republicans Oh, is always in, being moved. Is always no. Always. And like because people, they can they can manipulate the media. Like we going back to the X-Men here. Like because that exists, that that media that is inherently we we want to present both sides. Like that is what journalists want to do. So like Republicans just have that built-in advantage that they can literally just get on TV and like say crazy shit and like know that if journalists push back, they're going to be seen as the aggressors. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's the thing is this constant, almost like they also own gotcha. Well, yeah, they own a lot of it. But like, for example, a few days ago, there was a whole thing where Kellyanne Conway was saying that one of Biden's people called Republicans fuckers. And then like a bunch of Republicans got up in arms about one of his staff saying that. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. One of their people called Republicans in charge fuckers. Yeah. That's you, the that's, best that's you the, got in the last the four core. years. <laughs> huh. I, I wonder how some of those shithole countries feel about that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that kind of I, want, I wonder how some Puerto mind. Ricans feel about that. But no, again, like this, this it, there's a lot of double standards. Um, and it's a lot of like, yeah, the Republicans are just bad people, dude. I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm I i can not even be. If you're reading, reading X Men or have read this book, no, like agree with us in general, like, yeah, you're not gonna side with them. Life is about stories, right? And oh, and, and in this story, the Republicans are the bad guys. Absolutely. This oh, yeah. is this is a conservative piece of shit guy. Mm-hmm. and everything he does we've honestly for the most part seen people do especially in the last like five years yeah if you're reading this x-men story and you don't see parallels to striker to and you're a conservative and you don't see parallels 
to some of the people that you support, then you don't want to see that they're the bad guys. And also, thanks for listening. It's kind of weird. It's how did you make it, How did you make it this Why far? Why are you reading this? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. And also, see you later, I guess. Yeah. See you later. Uh, leave a five star review. Like I said, <laughs> one or five. One or five. Exactly. No in between bullshit. Yeah, we don't need that. So uh, Magneto goes to attack Striker. He fails and are kind of fighting back the purifiers. And we have the senator going like, what the hell's going on here? I didn't agree to any of this shit. Like, I'm out of here. We're leaving. And in the meantime, Anne tells Stryker that she's a mutant. <laughs> and then he, like, kills her. Okay, so a, a little bit more. So what's happening as Magneto's attacking, Stryker's also launching his plan which is to have Xavier yeah. activate people's mutant genes, basically, or like to start killing mutants. So people who either A, don't realize they're mutants or B, are hiding, they're starting to like bleed from the nose. They're starting to like feel real, like the Senator is having this massive headache and wants to get out of there. He's a fucking mutant. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and- Well, this is a mutant gene. Or at least has the least, mutant yeah. gene, yeah. yeah. And the, like you said, right-hand man to, you know, the David Duke of this world. And um, she starts bleeding from the nose and he knows what that means. He knows that that's, she's a mutant. And so he says, I, I'm sorry. Like he, he basically tells her you're a fucking piece of dirt now. And he pushes her off the stage live on television. She, Great art, by the way, the way it's he done. He does not say sorry. No, no, it was, it was a sarcastic sorry. A righteous course. Yeah, man. it was. Pan. Pan. Pan, Pan, yeah. Jan. And it, yeah, I'm sorry. My my sorry was meant as like a sorry, not sorry. Like, yeah, you got to go, girl. You know. A true daughter of heaven would have accepted her fate. And your resistance reveals your true allegiance. <laughs> yeah, because you don't want to die. He called. You might have the mutant gene. Yeah, he calls that her. Makes you a terrible person. So his final words to Anne as she's pushed off the stage and break her neck. Yeah. mutant hellspawn i deny you i cast you forever into the abyss that's how hmm. that's how much of a true believer this piece of shit is using religion yeah to justify, to justify your own hate people um and honestly and you know we're already getting into all this political stuff but to me i mean i'm not super religious or anything but i i you know i believe in my faith and stuff like that i find nothing more offensive than people who use religion to justify their own hate in any sense mm -hmm. like there's definitely problems with religion. And if you look at details of scripture of any religion, there's weird things and things in general, most major religions are about accepting people and, you know, having faith and trying to find the best way to live your life and be a good person, hopefully. And we have people like this and in real life that use that religion to say, Oh, I hate gay people because the Bible it's like, so you pick that one part from the Bible, but not like the other parts you never care about. And it's like, yes, <laughs> with a straight face. And it's like, yes, that's why I believe in. I don't believe in the stuff I don't like, but the whole part about men and women, yeah, no, I don't like that. What yeah. about divorce? That's a different situation. That's fine. Like, <laughs> what about marrying your brother's widow? Yeah. Whatever happened to that? Why That's is a thing. That, why is That's that a thing in the Bible? I know it is, but like, it felt like you were like coming at me a little bit. I'm like, that. Josh. I, I was like, I don't know what the fuck that. First of all, I'm the only child. I don't know. What I don't know that what you know about. of. I have to marry Yara? <laughs> yeah. If something happens to Dave, you're supposed to marry Yara because you're single. 
I'm single. You're Are you telling me I'm single? You're, you're <laughs> not married. Forward, you're Listen, listeners, I'm being notified that I'm single. I've been really confused the past eight years. Hit me up in the DM. Hit me up, listeners, uh, ladies. La- all three ladies listening, uh, you can find me at Madman Three Thousand. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I was just creating accounts to slide into your DMs. <laughs> It, it, it's just more pictures of you and i'm like hell yeah, yeah. it's 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 literally just more accounts but with my actual name and my real pictures there's just more accounts just more. <laughs> one with you with a blonde wig for some reason you didn't need just it, to spice it up just to spice, spice, it, up. Up. Just spice it up a little bit so uh let's continue this story um so what's happening is in order to save charles xavier because they can't get close to him because he's such a powerful psychic that he can he can read their thoughts before they even get to him so they have to basically do the unexpected so cyclops being the amazing tactician that he is he comes up with the plan that um nightcrawler is going to bamf wolverine over to him to distract him cyclops is going to shoot somewhere else and ricochet so charles won't see it coming and then bam he shoots. but me. ricochets off of like a production console yeah. or something it's a yeah. glass it's have lasers you, it's how it works not. have either first of all they're not lasers they're optic glass they're 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 not lasers uh they're energy beams from a hell dimension that he accesses with his eyes in some stories uh so cyclops as usual because he's the best x-men cyclops saves the day mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in the meantime, the Reverend is having a whole breakdown about why these aren't human, these aren't living creatures. And he has the classic panel of uh, Stryker yelling, human, with a question mark. You dare call this thing a human, pointing at a Black person. And then pointing at Nightcrawler. And then, so this is the scene where I think, this is why I think Cyclops is maybe the best X-Men. Because he's not, he's fighting the Reverend, but he's fighting his ideas. He knows that for yes. this battle, he's like having a war of words yeah. with him. And knowing that for this on camera, I, the, my optic blasts aren't going to save anything here. Yeah, I'm going to have to fight him. He's countering. He's like, we're not human, says, says who? Says you, like we have unique gifts, but no more so or no more special than those granted to a physician or an athlete. Like he's, we're, we're, we're human too. And then, of course, after he does the famous line that you just said, where you call this thing a human, he's pointing at Nightcrawler. My girl Kitty gets up on her liberal high horse and like, more human than you. Nightcrawler's my best fucking friend. And then she throws a hissy fit. And that's when. (laughs) I like how you call it a hissy fit. Wow. Everyone knows I love Kitty. I relate to Kitty Pride. If I were doing that, I'd call it a hissy fit too. You know how many times I call everything I do is? if you were doing it, you would have the thought bubble pop up and say i'm having a real hissy fit right now (laughs) i'm having a real hissy fit right now (laughs) so striker like you do pulls out a gun Uh uh-huh aims it at kitty and the rest of the mutants (laughs) okay by the way he has a gun aimed at someone who can phase someone who can teleport someone made out of metal someone who can heal (laughs) and someone who's an expert tactician Really, the only person in maybe danger is Storm, but she's also Storm. She'll find a fucking way out. No, she's not. She's also standing next to the big metal man. (laughs) Also, the the thing that I like about this scene is the slow buildup, but also like the X Men don't budge. 
No, because they know that this because no, it's not it's not even just a matter of like we have powers here. They know that the the true power they have here is the optics of him pointing the gun at them because not everybody knows who they are right now. Not everyone knows that Kitty can phase through things. Not everyone knows that she's not about to fucking get shot. That this 16 year old kid on the stage is not about to be shot by the world's most famous fucking preacher. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, So afterwards, the cops actually stop Stryker from shooting her. And this is where we get into our debate. So listeners, you don't know this, but last time I was defending cops. Uh, This is, I want to say during or right before the riots really started kicking in. It was before. yeah, Right before. Yeah. And um, in this book, the cops are saying like, listen, we're going to defend them because look at the bad guy, look at the good guy. And we're cops. We're going to stop this crowd from going crazy and attacking people. I think they protected Magneto, too, when he fell into the crowd, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they are seen as a neutral good here. That just because Magneto is a supervillain doesn't mean the cops won't protect him. Yeah. He's in danger, and the cops are meant to protect people from danger. Yeah. They should arrest him because he is a villain, but, you know. Yeah, but, you know. You, but you until can't... you can arrest him safely, you need to protect yeah. him from the yeah. immediate threat. So here's where my opinion was and how it's changed. I said before that I strongly believe that there's plenty of good cops out there that do their job and believe in the rule of law and justice. And I still, to a degree, believe that. But in reality today, this would never fucking happen. The cops that would go do this job, doing security at a place like this, they do it because they fucking believe in what they're hearing. Mm -hmm. And they will be joining in and these motherfuckers tearing apart Magneto or chanting with the fucking reverend. And that's just, we know that because we've seen it. How many riots and protests have we seen where the cops are just as bad as anyone else, if not worse, or instigating the fucking protest to become a riot? Yep. And no, I mean, that sadly, is the- as someone who, like I said, I do believe there's plenty of great cops out there that do their job and respect law. There's way too fucking many of them that don't give a shit and will do what they believe is right, which is usually something very racist and, or authoritarian. Yes. And I, and it's and that, I, yeah, go ahead. No, finish. Oh, and compared to what I believe before and after, this is coming from someone who actually still sometimes thinks about even being a cop. I believe helping people and doing the right thing, but there's so much fucking corruption. There's so much shittiness. And as a black man, seeing the riots happen, seeing the protests happen, and seeing the majority of police reaction is either beat the fuck out of them, especially if they're black, or even some of them excited before riots ensue, like getting amped up like this is going to be a fight. Like, I don't know how many videos I saw of protesters doing nothing wrong and a cop just whacks them in the back of the fucking head. Or even saw on live TV a black reporter getting arrested for being there in front of a white reporter who's not arrested. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And remembering this all happens usually after a black guy is killed for no fucking reason. Yep. So someone like me, it's really hard to support any idea of cops being neutral. But in a book from the 80s, I totally get why he believes they're neutral. I Growing up, I totally believed that cops would, for the most part, be neutral. But also I knew a lot of cops don't fucking like black people you like cops personally who personally. Corrupt. well no like in all honesty growing, <laughs> growing up i was told at a very young age hey if the cops there be extra careful because you're gonna be in trouble mm-hmm. like growing up i've been stopped by cops and patted down in front in public and 
that's just the what it was. I remember cops stopping me going, hey, there was a robbery down the street. And I'm like, okay. And they drove away. <laughs> like, just stuff like that growing up, that's what you see. But I always had this um, hopeful idea that most cops are good. And I hopefully am still right. But nothing lately in the past year has shown me that. So when I see cops here, it reminds me that this is a comic book. Not the superpowers, yeah. not the hopeful tone. Suspend your disbelief. Yes, this is yeah. the part where I suspend your disbelief. With and senators not wanting to be seen there and cop protecting the bad guy, doing the right thing and believing the rule of law is the most fantasy thing in this book. And that's really sad. So That is very depressing. And yeah, and yeah, I think that's perfectly said. I got <laughs> nothing else to say. You don't like cops. You never have. <laughs> Listeners didn't get to hear it, but um, I was of the other opinion. Yes. I was the one who was saying um, that all cops are bastards. And I still believe that. And what I believe that means is not that every individual police officer is themselves on a personal level a bastard. I believe, like Nick was just saying, that the institution is the bastard. And thus, you are part of that system. Like You are upholding these racist beliefs. You are participating in a system that is singling out people because of how they look. People in the proximity of the proximity because they look a certain yeah. way. You are, you are getting pumped up for a fight because you've been, you're part of a system that doesn't see your job as protecting people, but sees your job as policing people, like keeping people in, in line and for some reason, that still means the people that need to be kept in line are, are the people with the, the darker skin. You know, like it's that is what all cops are bastards mean to me. And I think that's where you and I were getting hung up in that debate yeah. is that like you are hopeful as, as I as all X-Men fans are hopeful that there's good <laughs> in humanity. Right. We root yes. for we root for Scott, Scott Summers is our favorite X-Men. Who yeah. is who is not more hopeful of a the world than scott summers despite all the reasons he shouldn't be <laughs> um like yes i believe that there are good people I, I have hope as well that there are good people i've known police officers i still know current people that are going into into the force or want to be in the force i apparently one of my best friends just told me right now that he wants to be a police officer you know like it, i it might like previously i've thought like, yeah you know really what i mean cool like, yeah. yeah like i i've I know people before with good hearts year. before this year. Honestly. Yeah. 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 All right. But I, there are people with good hearts who go into the profession who can't do anything despite their good hearts, but continue that nasty and, and awful system that we well, have. I, I personally know people who the moment they became police, they tell me like, wow, there's a lot of fucking racism. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, they're shocked when they get into it. Like, yeah. And also a lot of people don't know, a lot of, especially in the South, a lot of police institutions began as people who had to hunt down slaves. Yeah, right. Yeah. That was the beginning of a lot of police uh, or cop culture was mm -hmm. slave hunting. Yeah. After slaves were freed or right before the war, Civil War ended, that was their job. They got guys, gave them badges and said, you get to run this division, which is hunt down slaves and keep order. So like from the fucking origin was get yeah. black people. In order. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It, and when people call for like a reform to policing, like I, I don't think people truly understand how deep that needs to be. 
Well, the wording is bad. The wording is defund the police. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean that. Yes, defunding the police is 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 I still believe a a terrible slogan, but it's extremely misleading. Yeah, I mean it. I think it. I think it's very easily spun. uh, Spun exactly. Yeah, because it is defunding. Yeah, it literally is, but for an actual reason. Yeah, they want. You know, you shouldn't be able to buy the things that you're yeah. buying. Yeah. You're not military, you're police. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be like getting, you know, someone's handbag back because it was stolen. <laughs> no, that's, what, that's what Spider-Man's there that's for. Spider-Man. Listen, that's Peter Parker's well, joke. I mean, okay? from my knowledge of defund the police effort is actually more like some cops agree which is like, hey, we shouldn't be doing X, Y, and Z. No. There should be divisions paid yes. to do oh, yeah. those things. 100%. We shouldn't be handling people who are mentally handicapped because we don't know how to handle the situation. And they yeah. end up shot. We yeah. professionals for that. Or sometimes yeah. cops have to handle fires. Or be- there's a lot of firemen who are also have to be paramedics mm-hmm. when they shouldn't be in that situation because not enough money for that particular yeah. division. So that's what it really means. Anyway, exactly, yeah. That's our part about cops. But uh, <laughs> then we have the ending of this book which is Magneto and Xavier kind of, again, splitting with their beliefs, but kind of like almost agree or disagree. Yeah, so what's happening here is Xavier um, is, is brokenhearted. Like he's like all of this that has happened has made him question his dream. Can, yes. can we even coexist? We, we have somebody like Stryker rose to popularity on a platform of murdering us. Maybe, and he's saying maybe Magneto's right. You all work so well with him this time. Why don't you just go live with him then? You know, yeah, like, no, that's what I mean. I disagree in splitting because, like, they're almost reverse. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. were almost reverse in what they were believing. It, but Magneto, no, no, that's my point. Magneto never stopped believing what he believes in. He's no, I mean, I'm, I'm saying, yeah. but yeah. Um, I mean, like, Xavier falling in his belief for that one second. Yeah. And having Cyclops have to kind of like reaffirm him. Exactly. So what happens is, like, he tell yeah, he tells them to go with Magneto magneto's way is the right way and cyclops steps up and he says no we chose we we have the same dream as you we believe in your dream you made us believe in your dream and now we're going to fight continue to fight for that magneto's dream is not our dream and that's when magneto tells them at some point in here too that like he does view the x-men as the legacy of just mutant kind too He's like, I'm fighting for you guys as well. Like when I die, I view the X-Men as my legacy as much as Charles' legacy. And but and he's still Magneto. He's yeah, still and that's what that's his way. Exactly. And that's when he's like, You've made your choice. Magneto, baby, he'll see you later. And he flies away. Yeah, he never goes like, maybe I'll join the X-Men, you know, this year. That's, Hell a, that's, no. a, that's a few that's a few years. No, and so yeah, what happens? It's shortly after this, though, that he does <clears throat> become the leader of the new mutants. It but is he became like, the leader of the X Men, like Xavier, quote unquote, died, right? And he it was the new mutants. That, um, that at first, it mutants. was the new mutants. So, like in '84, maybe '83, like a couple years after this book came out, he becomes the headmaster of the new mutants because yeah. Xavier's dead. Okay. But at that point, there's nobody, like, they're the only kids in the school. The um, X Men are not students anymore. Yeah. Well, when they became X Factors, because they left to be exactly. adults, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the original five basically getting back together. You have um, Mag- uh, Xavier doubting himself finally. One who's been like the stern, like, no, this is the way no matter what. But he, he's been through some real hell, like psychological torture. And it's almost 
kind of how I got to see the world change in the last five years, or a lot of us got to see it change, where like you're almost disillusioned, like, you know what, I'm gonna stand strong in my beliefs and then go, fuck, maybe, maybe I'm gonna be more Malcolm than Martin today. Like maybe, maybe it's not the best way to handle maybe i'm doing it wrong maybe violence is the fucking answer yeah go off a magneto like handle shit the way you need to handle shit because obviously my way almost led to me killing all the mutants (laughs) yeah and have and having cyclops go no 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 like your way is still the way like your way is worth fighting for let's keep doing that like there there's going to be at least seven more times in the next 10 years that you almost kill all the mutants but let's keep doing it this way Sometimes, sometimes on purpose. You do kill them. <laughs> and sometimes you do. Sometimes you're good. Sometimes you're real good at it, Chuck. I think we should keep doing it. Sometimes you you blend with Magneto and become Onslaught and try and take oh over my the God. world. So I'm so excited to keep doing it your way. <laughs> and the book kind of ends with like the whole team, but mainly Cyclops and Storm and hugging, kissing. I don't it's a weird art. Um but consoling each other about their beliefs. And kind of looking to the future and say, like, the way we're doing things is what makes it worth fighting for, like a better future. And that's how the book ends. On a hopeful note. Yeah, as it should. Yep. Now, because um, that's what the X-Men are all about, man. They're all they about, about sadness and, and hardships, but finding hope throughout it. And hope. And hope. Uh, also, recently, uh, Chris Claremont was talking about this book and said how it kind of depresses him that this book is more relevant today than it was when he wrote it. Yeah. And um, depresses me too. Yeah. Chris. Well, similar thing. One of my favorite shows ever is Star Trek D Space Nine. And D Space Nine, for anyone who doesn't know, is extremely political and also really ahead of its time. And one of the head writers from that season, from that show, said, like, it's crazy how people are connecting with the show, but it's also sad that they can't connect with it. That show's from the early 90s. And that show is also more relevant today than it was when it was actually made and produced and everything. So I think a lot of creators that made these books that were so like inspirational, but also revealing are now realizing, oh crap, like it's still relevant. That sucks. Like <laughs> I didn't want it to still be relevant. I want yeah. to be a warning. I, I, not I was, a continuation. The book was the book ended on a hopeful note because I was fucking hopeful, but now I'm not. <laughs> like 30 years later, it still sucks. Like <laughs> <laughs> oh you want you want words from me for the 30th anniversary of my book that's like still taking place yeah sure <laughs> let me give you some fucking words of hope <laughs> hey <laughs> let's give it let's give this book x's <laughs> if oh, you're five. curious what we think five, five x's this from is me. like even in its worst moments even in the poor choice in poor racist choices and and all the bullshit that is very of its time, it's still like the best X-Men story. It is like the X-Men story in my world. It's the one my girlfriend's never read an X-Men book. This is the one I like, I was like, if you want to read the X-Men, that's the one to read. Like it is what I would recommend. And since she's not here, what'd she think of it? She enjoyed it. Yeah. She was, yeah. A, she liked it. Like as somebody who's never really read superhero books, she, she enjoyed it. I mean, she thought there were hokey parts because there are, yeah, but like, are, totally, yeah. but like, because <laughs> it's the eighties and it's Chris Claremont, <laughs> but yeah, no, she, she enjoyed it a lot. Jess, how many X's do you give this book? Uh, five X's. Five? Yeah. Yeah. Does this make you like, does it make you curious about reading more Claremont era stuff? <laughs> yeah. Be honest. Whatever. Yeah. Be Not honest. Really. I mean, it breaks my heart a little bit, but be honest. Like, I get the hesitation, though. Like, I get 
not hokey, but just the over explanation, the yeah, like I had to put of it its down time, yeah, the other day because it was just like, all right, I get yeah. it, I get it. Those those books used to be like thirty two pages back in the day. Like it takes me too long to read a thirty two page Chris Claremont comic book. You know what I mean? Like it's yes, it's well, fucking. There's a scene when everybody's getting changed to go to the danger room. Each panel is a different character, and they all have yeah. internal monologue yep. of whatever is whatever they're doing or whatever's happening. And it's like, what? But yeah. what's ironic? But it's is, also I love it so much. I'm like, yes, I want to know more <laughs> about my babies. But that's the thing; these iconic characters are iconic because we had so much fucking detail about their inner, oh, yeah. their yeah. inner monologue, their inner thinking. It's a, it was a it soap makes opera. Them what they are now. It's when it's when comic books. It's when the X Men really got that like soap opera feel. Like, yeah, there's so much of it that's just like dynasty meets fucking an action movie. You know what I mean? Well, like, what's really impressive for um, even today compared to a lot of writers today. When you read this book, you now clearly know every character and their personality, and they're all unique for different. Like yeah. the most, I think, underdeveloped character maybe is like Colossus. If you only read this book, yeah. But everyone, like you know their voice, you know their motivation, you get the character. So mm. imagine 15, 20 years worth of a writer giving mm-hmm. backstory and detail and oh, inner monologue. When, that's why they're for, so iconic today. That's why when, when like, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, Josh always is like so excited to talk about Kitty Pride. It's because that, like, there's yeah. so, like, he, he, she becomes like Chris Claremont's like stand-in character. Like she becomes your point of view character. She was like what Jubilee was for the animated show is what Kitty Pride was for the comics like she oh, was definitely. so like you just like kitty pride was like just like yeah i know everything about keeper like like yeah let's talk about kitty pride she's fucking insane like and some of the most iconic stories are iconic because they're a great story and great detail but like days of future past is only like three issues long if that it might yeah, yeah it might it might be two issues. i think it might be a two-parter honestly it might be yeah because it was part of the whole i think that was the introduction of kitty right no that was the introduction of rachel kitty, kitty wasn't no, Kitty, oh, she, Kitty. She just joined, and then they would go. To she the was past. one of the newer ones. Oh, future, yeah, she, yeah. yeah, yeah. She just joined, then it went to the future. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like stories like that, where you learn about this character, you get so much detail, and you fall in love with a character in two or three issues. Mm-hmm. Not even today. Not every writer could do that. No. Yeah. yeah, Jess. If I gave you another Claremont book tree, I think I would give you like the first New Mutant trade. Mm-hmm. I think that's more accessible, and le- even though it's he's building those characters, they're less like inner monologue. Would you say that? Would you agree? Which one? The one, the New Mutants one, where they were actually introduced, or the Demon yeah. Bear one? Introduced. Yeah, that, w- that was a good one. I'd say yeah. again, it's another one where the New Mutants get better after that. Like, like I think it's, it's again another one of these original graphic novels. So it's a lot of like Claremont getting to be real prose heavy. Yes. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, it's definitely a really fun introduction to those characters. And like, you, they do are they basically who they are for the rest of the time like they don't change like no not really it has such a good concept of who they are from the get-go that's why i appreciate i appreciate that before you can tell before he ever made these characters and put them on Mm. paper he knew who he was writing uh if you guys think we should review any other books i promise i'll actually read it immediately before we record so i don't vaguely remember so Uh, i didn't didn't forget yeah jess where can they find you uh hopefully you can't find me. <laughs> you can find me at madman3005 on twitter 
And if you're a Power Ranger fan, you can find me at the Black Ranger Review on YouTube. Jess, on Twitter, where can they find you? She doesn't have to tell us if she doesn't want. To. All right, um, Josh, you can find, can find me. You? you can find me. No, on Twitter. Josh, let me ask the question and then you talk. That's how we've done this for thirty episodes. You can find me on Twitter. Josh, where can they find you? Josh, look at me. Josh, look at me. Where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at xbrarian. It's librarian with an X. Really great. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, just in case it doesn't go up in time because Josh is a lazy bastard. This um, is 17 hours of content. <laughs> have a great, wonderful, hol- wonderful, 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 it's been too long so guys on that note if you look up in the chimney and you see santa don't forget he's probably a mutant and he'll also see you next time